0: I'd like to have you turn with me to our text for this morning, which is Psalm 128. Psalm 128. Um, we've been in a sermon series here at Ivanrest Church looking at the Psalms of Ascent, uh, Psalms numbered 120 through 134, and um, this one just happened to fit, I thought, well with Thanksgiving. So rather than take a break from the series, I figure we'll just stay in it and we'll, we'll use this psalm to reflect on our gratitude as Christians today. So Psalm 128. This is what the psalmist wrote for God's people back then as well as uh, for us as God's people today. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, those who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, uh, in the movie Crazy Stupid Love, Ryan Gosling plays one of the main characters, uh, Jacob. A wealthy young man who inherited a fortune from his parents, and so because he doesn't have to work, spends all his time picking up girls in bars. At one point, though, he meets Hannah, played by Emma Stone. And she goes home with him, but the evening doesn't go the way it normally does for Jacob. Instead, there's something about Hannah that makes Jacob realize uh, that there's more to her than the other girls he's dealt with in the past. He finds himself talking with her, opening up to her, and sharing things about himself, something that he never does. In fact, he actively resists it. At one point during their conversation, Hannah discovers that Jacob is addicted to the home shopping network. He has a $5,000 massage chair, a knife that can cut through a penny, and even a set of 50 coin bears, which are decorative bears, each with a rare coin in their feet. Hannah finds all of this hilarious and says to Jacob, You stay up nights. Jacob, laughing at the absurdity of it himself, responds, I am wildly unhappy. Uh, I'm trying to buy it, and it's not working. Now, Crazy Stupid Love isn't a Christian movie, clearly, like I just described, a good chunk of it is a guy picking up girls in bars. But one of the things that I've long appreciated about it is that even as a secular, non-Christian film, it has a number of scenes that actually make profoundly biblical points. And that's one of them. Jacob has everything in the world. He's rich. He's handsome. He has an impeccable wardrobe. He even has coin bears and yet none of it makes him happy. He's chasing happiness through things like sex and shopping. Like he says, he's trying to buy it, only it's not working. And it's not working for anyone else either. After all, those are the sorts of things that our culture tells us will make us happy, right? Romance, relationships, and sex, wealth, money, and materialism, taking it easy, enjoying ourselves, and doing what makes us feel good, Our culture tries to sell us on things like fast cars, a bigger house, and the next new job. Vacations, trips, and getaways so that we can go find ourselves. The newest phone, the latest app, and how many likes that we can get on them. Experiences like escape rooms, axe throwing, and even now break rooms where you can go to pretty much just break stuff. I guess it's therapy or something. Our culture tells us over and over and over, do this, buy that, go there, try this, then finally you'll be happy. And yet, I've long found it interesting that many of the people who actually have all that stuff seem, at least from what I can tell, to be some of the least happy people. You ever notice that? Uh, often it's precisely the richest, wealthiest, and most well-known among us who also seem to be the loneliest, the most fragile, and the most unhealthy. For example, our leaders, athletes, politicians, and celebrities often don't seem to live the kind of, of fulfilling lives that they should if all the stuff that our culture tells us will make us happy actually does. If more money than you need, more sex than you could want, and more fame and fortune than the average person has leads to happiness, then why is it that so many of the folks who achieve that stuff seem so below average on the happiness index? Why are so many of them depressed, addicted, confused, insecure, and uncertain? And why are we? I mean, after all, we live in the richest nation in the history of the world. Even our poor are better off than most other people around the world. We have ample resources to provide for ourselves and our loved ones, to provide for our needs, even to provide for our wants and desires, the things that we don't really even actually need. And yet in recent years, our rates of stress, anxiety, depression, and suicide have gone up dramatically. We are not a healthy culture. We are not a healthy people, and I can't help but think that at least part of the reason why is because the things we tell ourselves over and over will make us happy don't. Instead, as the psalmist says here in Psalm 128, our happiness, our true happiness, comes from someplace else. That's the point that the psalmist is making in the first few verses of this psalm. Just listen to verses 1 through 4 again. The psalmist writes, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. In other words, what the psalmist is saying there is that our happiness doesn't come from the sorts of places that we're often told it does. It doesn't come from the things around us. It doesn't come from all the stuff we covet, buy, and consume. Instead, it comes from God. It comes from knowing him. It comes from our relationship with him. As Eugene Peterson writes in his book on these psalms, along obedience in the same direction, two Hebrew words are translated blessed in this psalm. The word used in verses one through two, ashray, describes the sense of happiness and wholeness that comes from living in good relationship with God. And then the word used in verses four through five, barak, describes what God does as he shares his abundant life with us in a relationship of salvation. And both of them are connected to God. Both of those words indicate a relationship with him. That's where our blessings come from. And as a result, that's where our happiness comes from too. It comes from the Lord. And notice how normal The blessings that the psalmist lists here are. He gives a couple of examples of the kind of blessings that God gives us that leads to our experience of blessedness, our experience of happiness in our lives. And they're really ordinary, everyday things. First, the psalmist says that we'll eat the fruit of our labor. In other words, he's saying that we'll enjoy what we earn will have enough, our work will provide us with what we need. We will, at a basic level, have the things that we need day in and day out to survive. In the words of Jesus, we will have our daily bread. That's the first blessing that the psalmist lists here as an example of the sorts of things that God gives us and that leads to and cultivates our happiness. The next one takes a bit of explaining, though. The psalmist says that our wife will be like a fruitful vine and our children like olive shoots. The context here for these lines is important. You see, in that time and culture, having healthy kids was one of the best things that you could hope for. There were a number of reasons uh, for that. F- the first one is that kids carried on the family name, which culturally back then was a really big deal. In fact, it's still a really big deal for some people and cultures still today. Second though, children uh, secured the future. For instance, they ensured the family business would continue. They made sure that the family property would stay in the family line, and they guaranteed that there would still be a family to operate those things in the future. Most importantly though, children also secured your future as a parent. Back then, having kids meant that there would be someone to provide for you, someone to protect you, someone to take care of you in your old age, just as you had for them when they were growing up. And so that's the second blessing the psalmist celebrates here, the second example he gives of the kind of things that God gives us and that lead to our happiness. Family, relationships, and a future for that family and those relationships. So, those are some of the things the psalmist says lead to happiness. Those are the blessings that we count on as human beings. Those are the kinds of things we need to know that we will have in order to feel fulfilled and satisfied. The fruit of our labor, family and relationships to surround us. And we could list more, too, right? The point is, says the psalmist, it's the everyday blessings, the normal stuff of life, our daily bread that leads to our happiness, our contentment, and our fulfillment as human beings. Then, after celebrating those things and the happiness they provide, the psalmist looks to the future. He offers a further blessing. After reviewing the blessings God gives us to enjoy in our day-to-day lives, the psalmist casts his eye ahead and he offers a benediction of sorts. He writes, "'May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. In other words, what the psalmist is saying here is that the blessings from God won't end. As those who look to the Lord for their prosperity, for their past, present, and future, and for their hope and peace, God will continue to bestow his blessings on his people They will continue to have what they need. Their families will continue to be fruitful. And they will live to see not only the next generation, but the one after as well. In other words, this is a psalm that celebrates the ordinary blessings of home and hearth. The goodness of God's daily gifts given to us daily and the simple joys of the everyday. It confesses with generations of God's people that God continually showers us with the things that we need. And that's the true source of our happiness. That's what makes it possible. That's where we find our contentment and satisfaction. It doesn't come from all the stuff our culture tries to sell us on. It's not something we can buy. It it isn't something that we can achieve. It's not something we can make for ourselves or force ourselves to feel. Instead, our happiness comes from God and all the regular, normal, everyday blessings that he gives to us. And that's what we're celebrating today, right? It's right there in the name of this holiday, Thanksgiving. We're giving thanks today, right? And what are we giving thanks for? Well, exactly the sorts of things that the psalmist lists here. We're thankful for the daily blessings of our God. We're thankful for his ongoing and enduring goodness to us. We're thankful that each day we wake up, have what we need, and realize that he has provided for us yet again. You know, it's stuff like the food that fills our fridge and pantries. The shelter we have in the form of apartments, houses, and condos. The clothes in our closets, dressers, and drawers. It's the jobs that we go to. The schools we attend. And the sense of significance, meaning, value, and purpose that they give to us. It's our friendships, our families, our loved ones, and those we cherish most. It's our hobbies, our passions, and the things that get us excited and give us life. It's pets to enjoy, cars that reliably get us around, and the sense of commitment or contentment that comes during a a stimulating conversation. Those are the blessings that God gives us in our lives. Those are the examples of his grace and goodness to us. Those are the gifts he never ceases to make sure that we have. And as such, those are the things that we are thankful to him for today, Those blessings aren't always flashy. They don't need to be above and beyond. They're not excessive or indulgent. The blessings of God aren't the things that we want. Instead, they're the things that we need. And we have them. They make us happy in the sorts of ways that nothing else really can. And so that's what we praise and thank God for both on this day as well as every other day as well. And we also thank him for the gospel. You see, maybe the most important gift that we've received aren't all the things that we need. It's not all the gifts that God gives us. It isn't something we have, but rather someone we know. Maybe of all the blessings we celebrate on this day, the one we ought to celebrate the most, the one that satisfies more than any other, the one that truly makes us happy is the savior we've been given, the relationship with his father that he's made possible, and the way he's opened the door for us into this family of believers that we call the church. On this Thanksgiving Day, let's give thanks for that. Let's be grateful to God for the salvation he's given us, and let's recognize that as the true source of all the other happiness and blessings we have from him. Thanks be to God indeed. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, we can't say it enough. We thank you. You have filled our lives with so much bounty and goodness. And often it's easy to forget about, neglect, look past the everyday blessings you give us. We focus on so many other things, but Lord, each day we wake up, We have what we need from you. Help us to count our blessings and live lives of gratitude in response to you for everything that you have lavished us with. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray, amen.